There is no division in the Bible between duty and devotion. If my devotional life doesn't lead to duty, there's something wrong with my devotions. And if my duty does not help to strengthen my devotional life, there's something wrong with my duty. Spending time alone with the Lord prepares me for ministry, and ministering prepares me for spending time with the Lord. These two don't compete with each other, they work together. Today on the Songtime broadcast, we are continuing our study with Dr. Warren Wearsby as he shares with us from Luke chapter 10 the story of Mary and Martha and how they demonstrate for us the important principle that Jesus says that God blesses those who hear and do the will of God. Stay tuned for that message, but first, we're joined once again by Melissa Zaldivar as we're talking about her book, What Cannot Be Lost, and How to Process Grief. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. A couple of years ago, we noticed that there was a a troubling trend within our community. And as a pastor here on Cape Cod, uh, our church started a grief support group so that we could reach out not only to the people in our own community, in our church, that had suffered the loss of a loved one, but the people at large, the people in our surrounding community who were looking for a place to, to talk about and process their grief. It's not very easy, especially when you're trying to talk with just one person one-on-one, you feel singled out, Uh, and it's also very difficult to talk to somebody who hasn't experienced what you're going through because they don't really quite resonate with your feelings. Well, our guest today is Melissa Zaldivar, and she's experienced that grief, the loss of her good friend, but she wrote about her experiences in her book called What Cannot Be Lost, How Jesus Holds Us Together When Life Is Falling Apart. And Melissa, there are a few characters in your book who sort of write this from an autobiography sort of point of view, but there's another character that is really important, which was really helping you shape your understanding of grief and loss, and that's Jill. Tell us a little bit about your friend in the process of her finding out about her uh, cancer diagnosis and how that helped you process Yeah, you know, one of the things I like to make really clear in interviews like this, because I think someone might hear this story and think to themselves, oh, well, I don't know if if my relationships would go that way. Um, Jill and I were good friends in college. She was one of my very closest friends, and I was in her wedding. And then there were several years in which we didn't talk to each other a ton. Um, You know, we kind of grow apart the way college friends grow apart. And so when she got sick is when we really dug deep and talked to each other really consistently and really often again. Um, And it is the greatest joy of my life um, and honor of my life to have been her friend. Um, But I also don't want someone to think like, oh, this was my closest confidant all the time. And then she got sick and we just kept going with that. We made a conscious decision to show up at the very end of her life and to really uh, lean into our friendship. And so when I found out she was sick, it was a surprise. Uh, because I didn't know. It's not like I had been talking to her and she'd been like, oh, I've been in pain. Oh, I have a doctor's appointment. Like, no, it just was like right out the gate. I've been having these health problems. This is what's going on. I've been diagnosed with cancer. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, This is, this is, and it was in pretty rapid succession. But I think that when I found out, you know, there's this fear that you have of the worst happening. And then you kind of rally and you're like, no, 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 this isn't going to happen. And then at a certain point, you kind of calm down enough to say, actually, I don't know what's going to happen. And the best thing in this case is not to just pretend it's fine and to not just pretend 
that the world is ending. Like you have to find some sort of middle ground. And there were days that during our conversations, um, she would call me out when I said dumb stuff to her. <laughs> like, I remember one time she was in pain and I said, oh, like, what is it that's hurting? Like, I'm trying to understand, right? I don't have cancer. I don't know what this is like. Is it, you know, is it you're feeling pain because like your muscles are tired? Is it like where you have tumors because she had um, cancer in her abdomen? And she uh, finally said to me, she was like, yeah, Melissa, like my my cancer hurts. Like, I don't know what else to say to you. And I realized, oh, right. It's probably not helpful to you in pain to be questioned about your pain. Like it just it just isn't. And she was willing to say, hey, that's not helpful for me right now. And so I think that things got very real with us very quickly. Um, and I realized all of the ways that I was being an unhelpful friend. But I think it also allowed me to then be a helpful friend. And to say, okay, great. Then what do you want to talk about? Do you want to watch Netflix? Do you want to read Bible stories? Like, what do you want to do? And kind of uh, it removed that sense of I need to come in and fix it or help her because that's a natural thing when our friends are not doing well. We want to fix it or help. But sometimes the best thing we can do is just say, what do you need? And trust that they're going to tell us what they need. Um, and she was really, really good about that. And so I think the experience of her being sick went from, oh, my goodness, I can't believe this is happening to what do I do to, oh, I just need to be a present friend. Uh, and that's what's going to sort of walk us through this season. Um, that's the kindness of the Lord saying, just be present. And that's going to have to be enough because Jesus is the only one who's going to really, truly be able to bring comfort um, in a deeper way. And I'm just a vessel for whatever it is that he's doing. I'm sure the question came up, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? And you wrestle with this in the book where you're looking at scripture in, in light of all of these things. And there's a whole there's a whole canon of scripture that shows us that we're that suffering is a part of the human experience and it's something that can't be avoided. Yeah, I mean, suffering, you know, I, I remember years ago, um, a friend of mine from high school died when I was a sophomore in high school, or sorry, not a sophomore in high school, a sophomore in college. Um, he was a freshman in college, and his name was Clayton. He's a wonderful human being who is also with Jesus. Uh, and I just, I remember wanting to be so mad about that and and being mad about that right a 19 year old dies what like what on earth that's awful um and there were two things that came to mind that i feel like i've sort of clung to in every grief or loss or um broken moment since then one of them is jesus loves clayton and is also really sad that he's sick that he doesn't love this that he is mad that death exists and therefore my anger in that is justified um, my understanding of this is really messed up is totally understandable because we're not supposed to experience death. In the very beginning, that wasn't part of the plan. And then sin enters the world, right? And the second thing was I just kept bumping into this wall of, you know, what do we do about grief? What do we do about death and evil and all of these issues? And the encouragement that I think that the Holy Spirit sort of gave me that has continued to be true uh, and, you know, because it's it's based on what we know from scripture, is this idea that, like, when we ask questions, we need to ask the right questions. So it's not a matter of how could this have happened? We know how this happened. Like, sin has entered the world and death is present. Like, we know that from reading our Bibles. But then the question that's the most helpful at times is, so now what do we do? Like, we're in it. 
we've got to figure out what to do next. And so it's not so much of a why does this exist as much as a how do we try to walk through it um, with the help of God. And I think that that is the thing that I keep coming back to. Mm. Jill died because the world is broken and death is a part of life and it is awful and it is terrible and it is no good. At the same time, we have this hope in Jesus. We have this understanding that we will see her again, that she is healed, that she is well, and that's a good thing. And so my question has to be, okay, so now that I'm here, sort of left behind while she's off, you know, in eternity, how do I allow the next one year, five years, 40 years, 50 years, I don't know how long the Lord has for me, but how do I allow that to to be a now what? So yes, death has happened. Now what? How do I love people? How do I invest in my friendships? I am so much more intentional with relationships now because of those years that felt lost where I didn't talk to Jill constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, I am so much more aware of those things and I find delight in friendships in ways I didn't. And I try to allow that to move me understanding that I'm not going to get the nuance of death. Um, but I'll face it one day and we all will face it one day. And so the best we can do sometimes is to say, well, then how do I keep living and living for the good of others and the glory of God? We've been talking with Melissa Zaldivar about her book called What Cannot Be Lost, How Jesus Holds Us Together When Life is Falling Apart. If you or someone you know is dealing with grief and struggling to work through it, this book might be a great resource. To find out more information, please give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. That's 508-362-7070. Well, today we're continuing our study in Luke chapter 10 as we're looking at the story of Mary and Martha, these two sisters who were at odds with each other. Well, at least Martha was upset with Mary because Mary finds herself at the feet of Jesus while Martha finds herself surrounded by too many things on her to-do list. How is it easy for us, just like Martha, to be so consumed by the things around us that we forget the person who is there in front of us, the opportunity to gain gain and glean from the ministry of Jesus. In this message, we hear once again from the late great Dr. Warren Wiersbe how Mary demonstrates for us what Martha was lacking. How do you and I face those demands of life when there's difficulty and trouble? We face them the way we face the Lord Jesus. If we're spending time at His feet, It gives us divine enrichment. We don't have cheap lives that are made up of tinsel and bubble gum. We have lives that have some value to them. There is enrichment and there is enablement. That's the first reason why we need that daily time with the Lord, because of what it means to us. There's a second reason. We need this daily time with the Lord because of what it means to others. Now, you can't separate your walk with Christ and your life with other people. Now, you may think you can, but you can't. I can't. The Christian life is a cross. There is a vertical relationship between me and the Lord, and there's a horizontal relationship between me and other people. And I have noticed this, that when the Lord and I are getting along with each other, it's much easier for me to get along with other people. 
If you read the life of Mary, you find that her life is something like this. Did you ever go into a, to a quiet pool and you drop a stone in the water? And then you watch these rings, these ripples work their way out until actually you drop a stone out in Lake Michigan someplace. Actually, whether you can tell it or not, that ripple just keeps going out and keeps touching. Mary's life is like this. The smallest circle is a picture of Mary at the feet of Jesus. And some efficiency expert says, I can't think of anything more wasteful. Here's a woman who could be in the kitchen. She could be helping her sister. What is she doing? She's at the feet of Jesus. Wasteful. May I defend Mary for just a moment? Mary is not a picture of devotional life and Martha a picture of duty. I've heard people say, now there are some people like Mary, they're contemplative, they're meditative, and some people are like Martha, they're busy, they're active, and you're either a Mary or a Martha. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, be a Mary, don't be a Martha. You see, Mary did her work. Did you notice there are two evidences here that Mary did her work? The little word also. Mary also sat at Jesus' feet. She did her work, but she also sat at Jesus' feet. And Martha came and said, Lord, she left me to sit down at your feet. She had done her work. She did her share of the work. But she realized that you can't work all the time. You've got to spend some time with the Lord. Now, the, the ripples of blessing get wider. First, Mary is a blessing in her own home to her sister. My friend, if you and I can't minister to each other at home, we won't do much good outside. Mothers and dads need to be a blessing to their children, children to their parents, husbands and wives to each other. Those who are closest to you, that's the first circle. That's Luke chapter 10. Then in John chapter 11, you find an amazing thing. Mary's a blessing to her friends. And then in John chapter 12, you find Mary's a blessing to the whole world. There's a growing expansion here of blessing, and it all starts with being at the feet of Jesus. Let's take this first circle. If you and I are spending time with the Lord, then it's going to mean something to other people starting at home. What was wrong with Martha? Was it wrong to work? No. Was it wrong to prepare a meal for Jesus? Of course not. I thank God for people who know how to cook, because I can't. What was wrong with Martha? Jesus tells us what was wrong. He didn't say, Martha, Martha, you shouldn't cook a meal. Martha, Martha, you shouldn't work. He didn't say that. He said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Anxious. You're pulled apart. Martha, your problem is not that you're working. Your problem is that your work is pulling you apart. If you would spend time at my feet getting the enrichment and the enablement that you need, it wouldn't pull you apart. And he said, Martha, not only are you anxious, but you're troubled. That word troubled means distracted. So here's a woman who was divided and distracted. You'd have a hard time living with a person like that. You see, Martha's problem was not that she had too many jobs. Martha's problem was that she had too many masters. She was trying to run her life. She was worried about what Mary thought, this, that. Oh, no, you can only have one master. Mary had one master. Mary chose that good part that couldn't be taken from her. She got her orders from the Lord. 
The next time you and I find ourselves distracted and divided, we're being pulled apart, we throw up our hands and say, I've got so much to do, we better stop and say, wait a minute, my priorities must be wrong. Now, friends, I can't conceive of a person serving Jesus Christ and being hard to live with. There's something wrong. There is no division in the Bible between duty and devotion. If my devotional life doesn't lead to duty, there's something wrong with my devotions. And if my duty does not help to strengthen my devotional life, there's something wrong with my duty. Spending time alone with the Lord prepares me for ministry. And ministering prepares me for spending time with the Lord. These two don't compete with each other. They work together. And my friend, if you say you're serving the Lord as a student, as a teacher, whatever you may be doing, and you're hard to get along with, something's wrong. The problem was not Mary. The problem was Martha. And when there walks into a fellowship somebody who has calmness and peace, he's not worried and frustrated and pulled apart. It shows up the spiritual sicknesses of other people. Mary's devotion showed Martha's lack of dedication. Martha's problem was her priorities were all fouled up. One of the things that is crucial in the sort of background to the story of Mary and Martha is the feeding of the 5,000. What is in that story that is so important is that Jesus is trying to teach his disciples a lesson. He wants them to see the people here that have gathered to come and hear him teach and preach have sacrificed food, their daily responsibilities, working at home to take care of themselves, to come and hear from Jesus, to learn from Jesus. And Jesus tells his disciples, take care of them, feed them. And that takes the five loaves and the two fish and he feeds them. This is to demonstrate what he will eventually teach in the, the, the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. That we're supposed to be seeking first the kingdom of God and he will provide for us our daily needs. Now, Mary and Martha demonstrate that same principle because Martha is so caught up in her to-do list, her daily responsibilities, that she's not giving time for Jesus. And Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus in the proper place. She is sacrificing all of those other things because she has prioritized things correctly. So it fits in right there with the Lord's Prayer, and it fits in right there with the the story of the feeding of the 5,000, because this is what Jesus is highlighting for you and for me, to prioritize the things that matter most to God. And Martha demonstrates a lot of us because we ascribe a lot of meaning to the things that we have to do. In fact, we feel like we have to serve God. If we serve God, that God will reward us and he'll acknowledge all of the things that we've done and all of this hard work that we've put into advancing the kingdom of God and doing great things for him. And he'll acknowledge, he'll just look at us and, and say, good job. I'm so proud of you for all of your hard work that you've done. Except I remember I was 21 years old when I first realized this for myself. I had been serving God on ministry teams for years and traveling across the United States on a ministry team, promoting the school that I was going to, and I was feeling drained. I felt, felt I wrote in my journal, in fact, I feel like the, every time I get a drop of water in my cup, I've got to spoon it out and give it to somebody else. And I said, in my journal, if this is a ministry, I don't want any part of it. 
A week later, I found this verse in Hebrews 11.6 that it says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently serve him. That God is a rewarder of the Marthas who are so busy serving him that they miss who he is. No, that was what I was falling short on. It says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And Mary is demonstrating what it means to seek the Lord, while Martha is demonstrating what it means to to earn credit with Christ. And there is no earning credit with Christ. We have given been given grace and his love and his his righteousness. It's not about earning credit with him. It is about accepting him, accepting his love and returning our love to him in return. He wants a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Not a sacrifice of works, but of humility. That is the message that is so prominent here in the story of Mary and Martha, and one we want to leave you with today. Are you seeking the Lord? Or are you trying to serve the Lord so that you can earn his, his approval? We don't need that. We don't need to earn his approval. We have his approval. Sit at his feet, learn from him, and love him. If we've been able to bless you, I hope that you will be a blessing in return. You can write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630. Or you can give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com. Or you can look us up on social media. But don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. We'll continue to break down what Martha missed in this whole interaction that Mary gained by sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mary was a soul winner. The circle of her home was blessed because of her. The circle of her friendship was blessed because of her. She won people to Christ because she spent time with the Lord Jesus. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Luke 14, 11. Hear the words of Jesus, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted.